G'day and welcome to the Doctor Who Show Presents. Today, oh no, that's not quite it. Um, tonight, no, oh Rob, start again. Um, in this special episode, we'll, we, actually it's just me, oh Dave, why'd you have to be out tonight? It's not normally this hard. Sod it, there's got to be a better way to get this done. Hello? JR, Rob Irwin from the Doctor Who Show here. Wishing the Blue Box Podcast a very happy 250 episodes. Oh, good grief, Rob. Why can't you just leave me alone? This is the fifth time this week you've rung me up to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, thank you very much. 250 episodes. Do you know what? When I started it, that looked like an impossible target, and yet here we are. Yeah, it's it's quite a target. Hence, hence all my phone calls this week, Jr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, Dave and I both wanted to say happy birthday directly because we were given a segment to talk on your two hundred fiftieth birthday episode, but your instructions weren't to go on about the occasion; just simply present an episode of our usual stuff, just a short one. So that's what we did. But but not every podcast seemed to hear those instructions when I listened back. So I thought, oh gosh, we've we've got to say something. Well, you know. When the instructions I gave, I knew that not everybody would follow all those instructions. So I said, no music, don't talk about the Blue Box podcast, 10 minutes. And some of the, some of the, some of the segments came in with music, some of them came in talking about the Blue Box podcast, and some of them came in like 15 or 20 minutes long, which I knew would happen when I gave out the instructions. But the reason I gave the instructions is I thought if every podcast comes in talking about us with music on and 20 minutes long, then, you know, it's going to be repetitive. So I thought if I give the instructions and a certain percentage of people ignore them, then I'll get a bit of variety when I put it all together. So it was fine. Quite right. And it still worked out to be, what, over four hours in the end. Yeah, it could have been a lot longer. It could have been twice as long as that if everybody had replied. But it's one of those things, you throw it out there and I thought if it's somewhere between two hours and maybe five hours, then that's probably about what I wanted. And so four hours in the end is sort of reaching towards the upper limit. But but the fact that it's in sort of easily digestible segments of sort of 10 minutes or so average each means that people don't have to listen to it all in one go. No, no, that's right. So it all worked out. It certainly did. So, look, thank you for taking my call, and happy birthday again. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's very nice to get there. Five years. God, it doesn't feel like it. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it goes so quick. And for those of you who'd like to hear what Dave and I actually said on the Blue Box Podcast 250th episode, I'll play it for you now. And remember, if you like the sound of this and hearing a whole bunch of Doctor Who podcasts, some of which you might not have heard in your life, in a really quick and fun sort of way, do look up the episode itself through the Starburst magazine website or on YouTunes and have a listen. I think that's pretty good advice. Yeah, or iTunes even. You said YouTunes. Did I? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's all right, because uh, that was quite a funny way to end. Yeah. G'day and welcome to the Doctor Who Show, where, as always, I'm joined from my home studio in Sydney, Australia, by David in his home studio in Melbourne, Australia. David, hello. Hello, Rob. That's right. I'm the only one broadcasting from a city that once was a capital city of Australia. Oh, that's... that. I'm letting that go. That That's... that's... <laughs> If you're wondering about all those mentions of Australia a moment ago, it ties into what we'll be talking about on this episode. David? 
Yeah, we've decided that being one of the very few Australian podcasts, um, indeed one of the very few Antipodean podcasts, let's just have a quick chat about what's different about being a fan in Australia compared to other parts of the world, particularly the UK, where most of fandom is. All right. Well, do you have one to start us off, perhaps? Look, I think the big thing that really has defined us is the repeat culture that we've had, particularly on free-to-air on the ABC pretty much for the last 50 years. And it's funny, whenever I hear a UK podcaster talking about the Target novels and how, oh, woe with us, for decades this was the only way we ever got to see the Carnival of Monsters or the Loch Ness Monster, and I think, really, we, we saw them every couple of years on free-to-air. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and I was thinking about this the other day, and I, I was born in 1980. By the time I turned eight, I'd seen... First broadcast Davison, which I, I don't remember well, but I can remember it. I'd seen first broadcast Colin, first broadcast McCoy, but I'd also seen pretty much the whole of the Perwey years, part of season six of Troughton, and most of the Hinchcliffe years, all by the time I turned eight. So we were just really lapping up so much Doctor Who, and it was it must have been really, really different for us because it was just so in our face, all this old Doctor Who. Yeah, I can certainly remember reading reference books or particularly Doctor Who magazine back in the uh, the mid to late 80s. And they'd be talking about how, you know, this story was very special and that story was amazing. And, and I think, oh, really? I've seen that two or three times. So, yeah, my, my experience is very much like yours, like most Australians. Indeed, I think this led to most of the other uh, pirate videos over in the UK coming from Australia, probably at some point, or New Zealand, perhaps. It does, and I think it also means that there isn't quite the same thing in this country of growing up with your doctor, because like I say, I grew up with almost every doctor. There was no one doctor that was on for my childhood. Yeah, very much so. I've got one. The lack of conventions. That's a that's a real difference being out here in Australia. I mean, don't get us wrong. We have had Doctor Who conventions. We have had the stars of the show out here. Most of the living doctors have been out here, or I think all the living doctors have been out here. But we don't get them as regularly as in the UK or even the US. Uh, we're so far away, it costs so much money to bring the people down. Uh, fans are really starved versus our, our counterparts overseas in terms of conventions. Would you agree with that? Oh, that's so true. Despite being a lifelong Doctor Who fan, I reckon I would have been 19 or 20 before I met my first Doctor. And, you know, I've never seen Tom Baker None of my friends here in Melbourne fandom, to my knowledge, have ever met Tom Baker, apart from the one who lived in the UK for three years and saw him there. And I've sort of come to terms with the fact I'm never going to meet Tom Baker because we're never going to be in the same country. And that, you know, and I'm certainly never going to meet production people like Eric Saywood or Philip, Philip Hinchcliffe or people that would never be brought out to Australia. You're not going to pay $3,000 to bring out Eric Saywood so we can meet him for an afternoon. Yeah, so there's the trade-off, folks, with uh, the fact we saw all the repeats. We don't actually get to meet any of the people. Yeah, and it really means we rely on getting this stuff out of Britain so much more. So in that, we are quite isolated. Absolutely. Do you have any others up your sleeve? Well, speaking of isolation, news, particularly back when you know we were first getting into fandom, Rob, in the 80s and 90s, was so much different because Doctor Who magazine, unless you were willing to mortgage your house to pay for the airfare subscription and i'm not exaggerating folks it was two to three times as much to get it by airfare we used to get doctor who magazine three or four months later than it was released in the uk so we were relying on you know phone calls of australian fans to uk fans typing it out into a quick fanzine newsletter and posting all, all to us so you know and there certainly wasn't you know the, the the committee of the local club going down to watch 
uh, Doctor Who being recorded in the gallery or going to the pub with John Nathan Turner. We had nothing like that. We relied on month-old information from the UK. So we were often very behind the times, but it did mean we were very unspoilt in some ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In this pre-internet era, it was um, it was very easy to remain unspoiled. I can remember seeing a, a lot of first-run seasons having no idea what was going to happen in them. Absolutely none. <laughs> yeah, which, which in some ways that was an advantage because we didn't have, you know, the big-name fans who gone and said, oh, I've been to the pub with John Nathan Turner or I saw the studio recording of such and such a story and it's going to be an instant classic or this one's a real dud. We, we just went in really as casual viewers with very little information and you know there'll be the same rumors then as there were today you know every second story oh the master might be in this one or i've heard a rumor that the rani could be in this one and it was never true yeah and by the time we started to get some big name fans like i think of someone like kate orman who used to write for my fanzine actually uh, <laughs> yes. by the time she got into writing the new adventures well the show had come and gone at that point you know uh so no that's right but i, I must admit it was by the time the virgin books were coming out that time when the internet was starting to bring fandom closer and people were able to travel a bit more. So Paul Cornell, for example, did spend some time in Australia and obviously Kate Orman did. So those links did start to shrink by then, but it's still a long way away. Yeah, massively so. All right, I've got one to round us out. Here's one I think you'll agree with as well. Doctor Who was never Saturday tea time fair here in Australia. It was a um, a weekly thing, uh, weeknights, 6 o'clock. Uh, it was never something where you, you went home on a Saturday and watched the soccer and then you watched Doctor Who. We never watched it like the people in the UK. So it, it's a whole different mindset around how we used to watch Doctor Who here. Well, there is. There's a, there's a whole different national mindset because Saturday evening television isn't a thing here and ever has been because it's sunny outside in Australia. And so you'd actually go to the footy or you'd go out, go to a barbecue. You, you wouldn't be sitting at home at 5.30 watching TV and there wouldn't be any good TV on. It would be sport or sport. <laughs> that was it. So we, we really got to enjoy Doctor Who with repeats, you know, at least half the year round, Monday to Friday, usually over dinner. And it's no wonder... Doctor Who fandom's got such a good grounding in Australia because we were just immersed in the thing for decade after decade. We certainly were. And you know what? Speaking of sport, the uh, the Sydney Thunder are playing the Melbourne Stars at present, so uh, what do you reckon we go and watch that? That's an absolutely good idea. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining me for this episode, David. And always a pleasure, Rob. I hope that we uh, could talk again soon. Absolutely. See you then, mate. Bye.